the Lord is in this place. Yahweh Shema. The Lord is here. Can we just sing that song? I, I don't even remember the melody. We were singing it in, in worship, but we'll just sing the name. Can we just go, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, everybody, just sing. Jesus, Jesus. If you know the harmony, the ladies go, Jesus. <laughs> My mom was a choir director. Jesus. Let me hear the guys go. Jesus, come on, let's become a choir. Jesus, ladies, Jesus, come on, open your mouth. Jesus, look, we're joining with angels right now. Come on, can we worship him? Jesus. Open your mouth. Jesus. We worship you in this house. Come on, just let a worship arise. You're worthy, God. You're worthy, God. I know there's no instruments up here, but right now the sound of heaven, let's exalt Jesus. Jesus, 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 something about your name. Jesus. Beautiful one. Who is this man that we sing to? Who is this one? He's the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. He's the one for whom all things were created and by whom all things were created. He is the, before all things. And in him, all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead. That in all things, someone say all things. Somebody say all things that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile, somebody say, all things. 
By him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven. God, the Father, in his kindness and his goodness, he sent his son, Jesus, the one that we sing to and sing about. That through him all things in heaven and earth would be reconciled having made peace through the blood of his cross. How many of you are thankful for the blood of Jesus? Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. <laughs> well, I greet you in the name of Yeshua, Hamashiach, the Messiah. Yeah, last week, congregations all over the country and people all over the world were speaking of him, but it may not be Resurrection Sunday, but we still speak of him. Oh, we love to talk about the blood of Yeshua, for this is our redemption and this is our hope. And I, I, I greet you with the song because my great-great-grandmother uh, uh, my great-great-great-grandfather, my, my, my great-great-greats, there was something of a revelation that they had about this man. It was not a, a revelation that was taught by a slave master. It wasn't something that could be uh, 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 just, you could take some notes about. There was, there was something of the Messiah, the, the man of sorrows that showed up in the, in the bondage of chattel slavery, and they got a, a, a no on the inside. There was a knowing, there was a, there was a, a living revelation of this man that, that laid hold of my bloodline, my, my family line, and it produced a, a line of pastors and, and preachers and prophets and teachers and evangelists and, and little churches sprang up as throughout the ages they began to say yes to the call of God on their lives and, and even traveled and preached all over North and South Carolina and Georgia and, and, and my great-grandmother named Mary-Kate Wayman. After giving birth to, to 13 children in her late 30s, she said, God, if you can use a mother, use me. And God said, okay. <laughs> so he took this, the faith of this, this, uh, this mother and, and, and my, my great-grandfather, John Devine Wayman, and, and they became ordained in the Christian Methodist Episcopal uh, Church, and then they got commissioned as Methodist circuit riders carrying the, the beauty and the glory and the majesty and the fear of the Lord uh, in this, this man, the, the preaching of the one who would make wrong things right. And they would do these tent revivals on former sharecropper fields and cotton fields. And, and they would go to these places and everywhere they went, churches began to spring up. And today you might just find a few of them. If you take the right dirt road, you might just find their name in the cornerstone. How many of you know that, yes, this is my story, but because we have a father who is the father of the nations, 
We have the father of the nations and, and he, by his own hand with his, in his goodness and his kindness and his glory, he, he wrought salvation for the nations of the earth to produce a new family. How many of you know my family's story is now your family's story? Oh, I don't know if y'all got it. I, I need you to know that, 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 that because Jesus came to create within himself a new man, somebody say a new man, to create within himself a new family, not the Adamic family that was fallen in Adam and, and was sinful and alienated from God. But he said, I'm sending a Messiah who is going to change the DNA of the nations of the earth. And I'm going to give them the constitution of the kingdom of heaven. And I'm going to make, I wish I had a witness this morning. God said, I am going to create through the blood of my son. I am going to create one new man. And I will infuse this family with the DNA of the precepts of the kingdom of heaven. They will love in the face of hate. They will love and even bless their enemies when the world tells them to do the opposite. There is a kingdom constitution and a kingdom culture and a family. And I'm grateful today that what that means is that my family lineage, all of our failures are now your failures and all of our successes are your successes. We are members of one another. We have a shared history. And even though it may look different in the natural you have an inheritance in my, in my inheritance, and I have an inheritance in you. Well, let me back up. I bring you greetings from St. Louis, Missouri. and My wife wanted to be here, uh, but I think she's watching online. Hey, beautiful, my wife and my nine-year-old daughter, Mira. And, um, <clears throat> I'm just so honored and humbled and thankful. I've been so blessed to get to know and spend time with your incredible leaders. How many of you are thankful for the leadership that God has given? Just been incredible. And then to stand on the shoulders of not only those saints in the, in the Hebrews 11 cloud of witnesses that have gone before us who endured many trials by faith but did not see in their day the answer to their prayers because God had something better for us, knowing that they are standing with us, but to also have living legends in our midst like Dr. Uh, 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 Bishop Garlington and, and First Lady Garlington, we're just so thankful that we are part of this family of overcomers. Amen. Who's thankful this morning? Can you give God a hand clap of praise? How many of you are thankful? We just bless the Lord. He's so faithful. But this morning, as I was considering, Lord, what, what is the word of the Lord in this hour? He gave me, my old pastor used to say, if I had a title, it would be. He did have a title. That's, you know, that's how you introduce your title. But if I had a title, it would be the relic, the robe, and the reconciliation of all things. And we begin to sing some songs, even 
even as we were singing, there's, there's, a, uh, there, there's something about the song of the Lord. There's, there's a song and a frequency and a sound of freedom that the, the groanings of the earth is to produce in us. All of the pains of human history, all of the trials of human history, there's something that God is after, and we see a glimpse of it in Revelation, in the, in the book of Revelation, where John is around the throne, and he sees a multitude of people out of every tribe and every tongue and every nation and he and he sees them worshiping in their own language in their own expression and they're singing salvation song do you know that God is actually walking through history and has been and he's walking through the lampstand of the earth seeking a sound Do you know that Jesus in his kingship is going to return to a global chorus of the the people groups of the earth saying, agreeing with the spirit and the bride as we say come? There is trouble on the earth right now, and the trouble is producing a groan in the culture. And the groan of the culture, and specifically of the unredeemed, may sound and even look like riots in the streets, protest, political conflict, polarization, Facebook and Instagram wars, social media uh, uh, discouragements, people leaving the church because they're offended and angry, people uh, 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 gaslighting one another, uh, throwing flames on each other's fires, surrounding themselves with echo chambers of agreement around certain ideological or political or sociocultural issues. And all of this is producing a groan. It is a manifestation of a cry called Maranatha. Wait, let me say that in my unelevated voice. (laughs) The culture and the nations of the earth are groaning to see Jesus come and make wrong things right. And a year ago this month, at this particular time, there was no nation, no government, no king, and no kingdom on the earth that was not affected by the reality of God stepping off of his throne and walking through the earth and saying, shh, be still. What you have to understand Some people are like, well, the enemy, this COVID, it's the devil and blah, 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 blah. But nowhere in scripture has Satan been given the authority to pause the whole world. Nowhere in scripture has he been ascribed with that level of power. Only God. And so if that's the reality, we have all entered into a day of the Lord. We are in a day of visitation on the earth, globally. Where the Lord is after something. Somebody say, he's after something. something. Now, we have these culture wars that are happening. And 
We're going to talk just for a moment about some things that are, that are really challenging. We're, we're, we have to look at some things in order to allow God to, uh, to, to really do what he's after and get to what he's after in us. So I hope you'll bear with me for just a moment. But, but uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I've always been kind of an old soul, even as a, a young man. I've just, I've just been old and old hymns and, and old things have always intrigued me. But, but we, we're living today and a lot of the, the root of the issues and the conversations that we're having are, are, are rooted in things of old. They're, they're, we've inherited the pain of human history. In fact, I would even say we, we're dealing with a hangover from history. And, you know, my, my, my grandmother used to sing this song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. And, and oh, what a foretaste. Ah, I can't sing this morning. <laughs> oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Right. Uh, and, and these song, this song is like a relic. It, it's, 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 it's old and, and powerful. And I was looking at the word relic, and I look at the Oxford languages, and it says a relic is an object surviving from an earlier time, especially one of historical or sentimental interest. Or it could be a part of a, de a deceased holy person's body or belongings kept as an object of reverence. A relic is a custom or belief that has survived from an earlier time, but it is now outmoded. In religion, even the physical remains of a saint or the personal effects of a saint or a venerated person may be preserved for the purposes of veneration as a tangible memorial. We know in the Catholic tradition and even historically, uh, there are places around the world that have the preserved maybe skull or, uh, uh, or clothing of a historic religious figure and people will make a pilgrimage from around the world to be in the same room as this object, this relic. Uh, even way back in the day, uh, before the Protestant Reformation, the Catholic Church would charge money uh, to come and buy a relic as if it would somehow possess the power to help make you holy or make you righteous. And of course, Luther, uh, Martin Luther railed against it and, and the Reformation happened. But, but this idea of the relics that we possess and hold on to in our day uh, in hopes of obtaining some sort of righteousness. God has throughout human history watched as nations have suffered under the weight of the fall of man. There is no people group, no ethnic group, no nation, no culture anywhere on the earth that has not in some way been deeply affected or impacted by the original sin that happened in the garden and caused us then to go and build fallen and broken systems in the earth, which in, in return caused people to become broken. And this history, throughout history that, is, that, is, that, is, uh, that has been built that we've inherited has set in motion generational pain through the generational violation of the image of God within man. Let me back that up. You see, every single time an injustice is done against a person, every time someone is violated, it's not me that gets violated, it's not you that gets violated. Because God has put his image within us, we are his creation, his thumbprint is on us, it's actually God himself that's being violated. 
So racism, if I were to use that word, is not just a socio-cultural issue. Racism is a kingdom issue because it is the, the spirit of the Antichrist that hates what Jesus looks like in your skin and in your cultural expression. Wait, you, you have to hear me out. Already some people are, oh, no, we got to talk about race. I'm so tired of that. I came to think about Jesus. You have to understand, Jesus is making an issue over that which is warring against him. Do you hear me? And the spirit of the Antichrist, which has been in the world for quite some time, has amped up his game because he is saying that as long as we cannot see Jesus in one another, then we cannot see Jesus. Do you understand? So, so there are relics that have been used by the Antichrist throughout history to cause us to wage war on Jesus by waging war on one another. And I have a few of those relics with me today. Now, I'm going to warn you that this might be quite shocking and even triggering for some of you. When I say triggering, it means it's going to touch potentially some of the unhealed wounds in your life or maybe even touch spiritual things that are happening that, are, that, that have a hold on you that you don't know is there. So you may feel uncomfortable, but I'm going to ask you by the grace of God, if you cannot allow Jesus to touch that area of your life, I, you, will, you will live in bondage that Jesus is actively going after to free us from. Does that make sense? So all of these are crazy stories in terms of how I acquired this. But my personal history, my family were slaves. And this is not a replica. This is the real deal. This is about 500 years old. And these are slave shackles from the Middle Passage where millions of Africans were shackled in boats and brought from Africa to the nations through the transatlantic slave chain. This is a relic from the operation of the Antichrist spirit in our history. Another relic is that after 400 years of intercession, you see in slavery, Jesus, the great emancipator, released a, a supernatural intelligence from heaven upon the enslaved peoples. And so they would be in the, in the deep, hot fields of North Carolina, in the cotton fields. They'd be in Louisiana and, and Florida and South Carolina, and they'd be working in the sugar cane. And they might be plowing the ground. And, and what would happen is, is, is uh, the Lord, in his goodness and his kindness, he gave them a song. Somebody say, a song. And so they'd be plowing the fields. Oh, Lord, if not me, one day let my children be free. They would pray generational prayers in the form of a song. Oh, Lord, if not me. And, and it's amazing, you, you wonder, I'm actually a drummer, but a lot of black folk have rhythm, right? 
But they, they're plowing, I can imagine they're plowing the field and they're hitting. And as they, as they work in step with one another, it produces a greater measure of work that gets done because they're in unison. So the technology is helping them do the work, but meanwhile, the song is filling the bowls of heaven. It's intercession before the Lord. And after 400 years, the bowls are full and God tips them over. And in a moment, he raises up an army from the north to come and emancipate them. Now, I know this is hard because I grew up here in North Carolina and Confederate flags fly everywhere. And, you know, it's Southern heritage and history. And I didn't really even think that much about it. But I know it's a controversy in the earth today. But the reality is no matter what you want to say or believe about what the Civil War was about, it was ultimately about slavery. And so I have this relic, and you can see the stars and stripes here. This is a real Confederate flag that was really flown during the Civil War. If you're a museum curator or historian, you're, you might be cringing because I'm holding this without gloves and my oils are getting on it. But look, it's really old. It's, it's survived just fine so far, so I think we're okay. But this flag was flown, and, and then after the South lost the war, a group of Presbyterian pastors got together at Stone Mountain, Georgia, and reignited the modern Ku Klux Klan. And so they repurposed this flag, and it became a KKK rally flag. You can see the letters on here. In 1911, the KKK terrorized the South, and they would fly this flag as they found Jews and black people and anybody else that they hated, and they would lynch them and hang them while illuminating a cross to drive out the darkness from the land. In 1890, the U.S. Army descended upon a Lakota Native American settlement and massacred 300 people, and they tried to fight back, and this Lakota tomahawk is believed to have been recovered from that site. As Satan rages against the image of God, creating relics that are seared inevitably and almost irremovably and unsustainably within our memories, the pain of the human experience is not just in North America, but we know again that across the nations of the earth, we are all living in this as an inheritance, as part of the Adamic nature and the Adamic storyline. But one of the greatest tragedies, tragedies in modern history, which God broke in through a global world war to begin to shut down, was when six million Jews were exterminated. This is a real Nazi flag from the Third Reich that flew on the front of the officers, the German officers' cars. But I've not come here to make you sad this morning. I've come here because Jesus was the one who stepped out of eternity and went into the gap to build up the hedge. 
Jesus is the one who stepped in and he says, I'm going to come into your brokenness, into your pain, into the, the desolation of many generations, and I am going to reconcile that. I am going to answer the pain. I have a solution and I will not leave the earth without a witness. I will raise up a multicultural, multi-denominational, multi-generational bride of black and white and Asian and Jew and Gentile and I will restore all things. So Jesus says in Isaiah 2, if you look with me, and Isaiah 2, now it shall come to pass in the latter days, somebody say the latter days, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills. I will exalt the mountain of my wisdom above Capitol Hill. I will exalt my mountain of wisdom above Hollywood Hills. I will be exalted above every ideological agenda. I will be exalted above every political agenda. I, I, <laughs> he says, in, he says, and it shall be exalted above the hills and all the nations, somebody say nations. That's the ethnic group, the ethnos. All the ethnic groups in the world will flow to my holy mountain. And he says this, many people shall come and say, come. Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And there he will teach us his ways. Somebody say his ways. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths. It's not enough for us just to be taught. We got to learn how to walk in it. Come on, we need our, we need our doctrine to match our, 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 our orthodoxy to match our orthopraxy. We got to walk in what we believe. And so, so, so what happens is it says he'll teach us and we shall walk and for out of Zion will go forth the law. And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, verse 4, he shall judge, he will judge between the ethnic groups. He will judge between the ethnos, the nations. And he, somebody say he, he will rebuke many people. Now let's pause right there because we, we, we're in a culture after an election year and, and after a year of civil unrest and, and protest and, and all of this, this, uh, this racial reckoning and, and, and there's all this polarization and you got people on the right pointing the finger at people on the left and, and black people pointing the finger at white people and white people pointing the finger at black people and everybody is judging one another. Because we all feel like we have the moral high ground when God says the only high ground is come up here to my mountain. Come up here. Come up here. He says he's going to rebuke. He's going to rebuke many peoples and people groups. And he says this. This is amazing. They shall beat their swords into plowshares. They'll beat their swords into a plowshare. Anybody know what a plowshare is? A plowshare. JT, what's a plowshare? Well, I'm going to tell you. Thanks for asking. 
A plowshare is an instrument used in farming. It breaks the ground and it cuts the turf. In other words, where there's been hard, fruitless ground, where nothing can grow, the fallow ground, a plowshare breaks it open. Many of our hearts, even in this last year, have grown hardened to the love of God. We've grown hardened to one another. And God says, I'm going to use, I'm going to use the very weapons that you have used to hurt one another. What's going to happen is I'm going to change you and you're going to take your, you're going to take your history. You're going to take the things that have grieved me and hurt other people. And if you will pick it up and embrace it and acknowledge it and look at it, I will reform. I will reform your history. White person whose family owned slave, guess what? It's not just BLM making an issue. It's me, the Lord, making an issue and saying, this is what formed you. This is a relic in your family line. It's your inheritance, but I want to take the raw materials of that which was worthless and harmful, and I want to turn it into a tool to break open the earth for a new harvest. Black person who's, who's upset, a uh, 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 Hispanic individual who, who's an immigrant into the country and people don't understand you and they think of you and, and, and relate to you as less than, as a, as a third class citizen or not a citizen at all. Trust me, there are relics in your hand and I want to use it to break open the fallow ground. But he goes on. See, a plowshare, it breaks the ground, and it says, when I was researching and I'm looking, at, looking it up, the conclusion is that a plowshare produces brokenness that leads to the ability to receive and produce new life. God has set the conditions in this nation and many other around the world. I better stop holding this thing before I spear myself. All the mothers in the room, be careful, son. <laughs> My wife's watching. She knows how clumsy I am. Put that down. <laughs> but pruning hooks. The next verse says, I will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears, the things that you're using to take a jab at one another, your spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, and neither shall they learn war anymore. Now, what is a pruning hook? A pruning hook uh, uh, is a tool that you use in gardening, right? To prune is to cut off that which is dead. Pruning stimulates new growth. It lets in more light. It causes health and structural soundness. It creates special effects. Encourages flowering and fruit, protects people and property. It improves the appearance. I'm here to tell you that God has, through the trouble of 2020, through the trouble and the perplexity and the confusion and the pain of the past, the perplexity of the present, God wants to prune us to get in and step in as a family into the promise of our future. God is circumcising the church right now. I'm here to tell you, people are leaving the, the body of Christ. 
But it's a pruning process because what God is about to release is going to be so glorious, so far beyond what we've ever seen. My dad, got just a couple of minutes here, but my dad was getting married, uh, remarried after my mom uh, stepped into eternity, which was a, a glorious, glorious experience. Her name was Robin, and the Lord allowed me to, to see her go to eternity. She, she uh, had a deep revelation of the garden of God, and she would preach on, on this intimacy of the original garden, this unbroken fellowship, the, the place where we were originally consiled with God. And, and uh, as she passed away, she was only 48 years old, uh, she woke up in eternity and the Lord opened the heavens and allowed me to see her ascending. And uh, for three days we contended in fasting and prayer for the Lord to, to bring her back, to, to resurrect her. And uh, I saw the heavens opened and, and the Lord <clears throat> said to me, while I was watching her dance and, and, and spin and twirl, she was going up in the glory and she, was a, she, she had this huge smile on her face and she said, son, I've always wanted to dance like this. And, and, and the Lord turned to her and said, Robin, your youngest son has asked me to allow you to return to your body and I can do that and there'll be much fruit in the earth, even global acclaim, or you can come with me and those who witness your passing will go further than you could have ever gone in one lifetime. She continued to ascend beyond my view. And the Lord said, you see, son, your mother has chosen to become a seed in my garden. And unless a seed dies and withers away in the ground, it cannot bear fruit. And, and the poetry of God that the one who, who created us in this place of intimacy in the garden and who is, who is now rezoning the earth to prepare the earth for a city and a kingdom with foundations of righteousness and justice. And, and he's bringing forth this city and we're going to live in unbroken fellowship again. Uh, the beauty that he would allow me to, to see that that seed was not, we, we didn't just put a body in the ground that, that's not bearing any fruit, but God, we were putting, uh, uh, God was building a block. He was, he was putting a generation inheritance in the ground for something beautiful to come forth and 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 uh uh, my mom's name was Robin, which means I'm Robin's son. And so, so uh, 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 I like to think of that as Robin's son or robing sons because uh, uh, this, this thing happened where my dad, after a couple of years, he got remarried and, and he, he was getting married. He asked me, he said, Jonathan, I want you to officiate my wedding. And, and uh, we're on the phone on a Sunday and he's like, hey, uh, son, I know you preach in a lot of white churches. He goes, but you know where we come from. You got to wear, wear something. I, I need you to wear a robe. Do you have a robe, son? And I was like, nah, no, I, I don't have a robe. Well, he said, what's wrong with you, son? Every black preacher needs a robe. So I get online and I'm looking at robes and bishop, those things are expensive. I'm like, what in the world? Is this robe going to like, uh, can I live in this robe after I buy it? I mean, like, what is going on? And, and so I get on eBay and I find a robe on a Sunday morning. I found a robe that ended, the auction ended in like two hours. I bid $25 on it. And I go to this church and and uh, a church that I'd never been to, I was visiting the church, and there was a, a guest speaker from, um, from somewhere in Africa, an African uh, country. 
And he's preaching about how uh, Hannah had dedicated her son Samuel to the Lord. And Samuel lives in the temple ministering before the Lord. And it says every year she would visit Samuel and bring a new robe. And what's amazing is during that season of time, I was so frustrated. It was the hardest time ever in my marriage. Financially, it was hard. Spiritually, it was hard. Ministry-wise, everything was hard. I'd come out of a season of just real power and clarity and glory, and now it seemed like everything I put, put my hands to wasn't working. So I was frustrated. So this pastor is preaching. He says, there's someone in here. You've been asking God what you're doing wrong. Seems like you're not as fruitful as you used to be. Seems like nothing you put your hands to is working. Seems like God has lifted his hand off of your life. You're questioning, you're asking why. You think that it's something you've done, but God says to you, you've been operating in last year's robe. You've been trying to minister in the house with an old robe that you've outgrown, and God says you don't need to change anything except your clothes. It's time for you to get a new robe. And I began to, I just began to, <laughs> I just began to travail during the service, right? Well, I get home from that meeting, and as soon as I open my laptop, it says, congratulations, you've won a new robe. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is incredible. A few days later, the box came in the mail, and I'm pulling out the robe from the box, but before I do, I'm cutting the box open and it has a tag on it and it says shipped, purchased from, shipped from eBay member Ephesians 4. I bought a robe from Ephesians 4. I can't even believe it. Now I bought the robe to officiate my father's wedding. I bought the robe to officiate my father's wedding. And as I'm pulling it out of the box, I get about right here, and the Spirit of God comes on me and says, it's all about a wedding day. It's all about the Father's wedding. I'm here to tell you, the Father is robing the church in this hour for a great wedding day. There's a day when the kingdom of heaven is going to be wedded to the kingdoms of this earth. I'm here to tell you that there is a day where the Matthew 22 banqueting table, there's going to be a feast before the nations of the earth. And God says, when you sit at the table, do you have on the right robe? God wants us to take off. In Ephesians 4, it talks about that. Interestingly enough, this says Azusa now. It says Azusa now. Do you know that the miracle of Azusa was that the Holy Spirit was poured out to wash away those things that have caused us to war against one another? The miracle of Acts 2 was that there were people out of every tribe and tongue and nation who could understand it one another in one another's language supernaturally. God wants to release a fresh outpouring of the Spirit to bring us into a maturity as a bride, to robe us in our sonship and in our kingdom citizenship like never before. Now I know we're, we're, we're at the end of the, the service here, but I need you to understand in Ephesians 4, 
The admonition, it goes and it names the things that we're to put off. Bitterness, anger, slander, divisiveness. I'm here to tell you that some of us in our love and our zeal for the kingdom of God, we are guilty because we have come to church and slung the weapons of carnality at one another. We've gotten online in the name of righteousness, in the name of political party loyalty. We've, we've, we've uh, devoured one another with our weapons and we've worn the robes of our earthly identity and God wants to circumcise us and deliver us and set us firmly again into the kingdom as kings and priests so that we can be used by him. So he says, do not grieve the spirit. Let no corrupt word proceed from your mouth, except which is good and necessary for edification. We're encouraged in Ephesians 4 to be renewed in the spirit of our minds and that we would put on the new man. Somebody say the new man. Put on the new man. I didn't, I didn't share this story in the first service, but there's a slide that I just want to show you of a prophetic encounter I had at the beginning of last year before COVID in January and before the race riots gripped America. But I was in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and I woke up, I was speaking at a conference called Movement 2020, and I woke up, and God speaks to me in the shower for some reason, but the Lord said while I was in the shower, he said, wake up, Olive. He said, wake up, Olive. And I was like, wake up, Olive? And then I remembered that there was a Bethel worship leader who lost her toddler named Olive. And she had the hashtag, wake up Olive. And I've, I've never really shared this publicly because I know this is such a sensitive thing and I don't want to be the guy that turns a prophetic word out of somebody's tragedy. I was like, Lord, what does this mean? But he said, wake up Olive. And the whole body of Christ, I mean, not the whole body, but Hundreds of thousands of people were praying for days on end for this little girl to come back to life after she had suddenly passed away. Tragic. But everybody's believing for this awakening, for this resurrection of this little girl. And then the Lord says, while I'm in the shower, he says, wake up, Newman. Wake up, Newman. And I'm like, what is wake up, Newman? So I get out of the shower and I Google I saw the, the name spelled that way, so I just Googled Newman that way, and I pull up the article of a black man named Grafton Thomas, my last name is Thomas, a black man named Grafton Thomas who had gone into a Jewish household in New York City while they were having a, a, a sacred meal, I believe it was the Passover Seder. He, he, he shows up at the meal and takes out a machete, a sword, and starts attacking family members and a Jewish rabbi, sorry, this is a little graphic, but Rabbi Yosef or Joseph Newman was attacked and sliced in the head by the machete and was in a coma at that very moment. And the family in the article said that they were believing God for a miracle for this Orthodox Jewish man. And I said, Lord, what are you saying? Wake up, Olive. Wake up, Newman. And then the Lord says, I, am, I said, God, 
uh, I need you to speak to me. So it was like 5 in the morning, 5.30 or 6. I go downstairs as soon as breakfast starts in the hotel. I'm sitting down and I'm thinking, Lord, I think this has something to do about Jerusalem, about the Gentiles and the Jews and the one new man. But, Lord, if this is you, I need you to speak to me and confirm it. At that exact moment, a, a young waitress walks up to me and asks if she can pour me a drink. She worked at the hotel. And I look up and I see her name. Here's a picture of her. Her name is Jerusalem or Jerusalem. Jerusalem. I, I, I literally fell out. I fell on the floor. And I knew in, intuitively and instinctively, I said, are you Ethiopian? She goes, yes, how did you know? Because in Zephaniah 3, it says, from beyond the rivers of Cush or Ethiopia, the daughter of my dispersed ones, the diaspora, will bring me an offering and then you, Jerusalem, will not be put to shame. God, through the, the, the goodness and the glory of his reconciliatory plan in his sovereign hand, has raised up in the African diaspora those who were enslaved, a prophetic picture of the Jewish diaspora. And historically, the Jews have always been able to see themselves in the black history story, and historically, the African-American in particular has always been able to see themselves in the Jewish story. That's why black Baptist churches are called Mount Zion and Mount Canaan and New Jerusalem and all these different things. And the Lord began to say to me, he says, in 2020, I am going to begin to wake up Olive the olive tree to which we have been grafted into. Grafton Thomas, grafted, Grafton Thomas attacked the Jewish man because Grafton did not know who he is and that he's actually called to serve the Jewish people, not to attack the Jewish people. And God says, if the church does not get a revelation of the redemptive plan of God and the role of the people groups in the restoring of all things, we will become terrorists to one another. Thomas, the word, means twin. My last name is Thomas. Grafton Thomas is almost like the twin manifestation of, of the unredeemed mindset. If I choose to operate in my earthly identity and, and refuse to allow God to circumcise. Is this too much, guys? I know, Pastor, we're over time. I'm gonna, if, I, I just feel like I need to release this word to you guys. So in January of 2020, the Lord says, this year, I am going to release the, 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 the instruments that wake up the new man. Joseph, Joseph, new man. The black community has the Joseph story. Sold into slavery by our brothers, but God. Somebody say, but God. The enemy meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And the Lord says, I'm going to create the conditions on the earth that begin to cause the Jews and the Gentiles to come into a one new man reality. So in Ephesians 2, Jesus says that I destroyed the wall of enmity, the law, the hostility that exists between the two, between Jew and Gentile, that exists between black and white, that exists between Hispanic, that exists between Asian. God says, I came, I did it once and for all. <laughs> so Romans, 
Romans 13 says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves one another fulfills the law. Love does does no harm to a neighbor who is my neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, Romans 13, verse 11, knowing the time. Somebody say, know the time. That now, somebody say now. Now it is time to awake out of sleep. Now it is time to awake out of sleep. This is what Romans 13, 11 says. Now it is time to wake up the new man. Catch the fire. I'm yelling at the top of my voice, even though I have a microphone and I don't need to. God is saying, wake up. Wake up, Olive. Wake up, Jerusalem. Wake up, the Gentile church. Live in your sonship. Live in your citizenship. Live in your heavenly identity. I'm here to tell you, God is after a prophetic uh, sign in the earth. will catch the fire, Raleigh. Be a sign and a wonder to the nations as nations war against each other and more and more people say, you know what, well, I can't worship with with them because I know somebody right there voted for Trump and I can't worship with them because I know somebody right here voted for Biden and I can't worship with you because you white and you got white privilege and I can't worship with you because all you do is talk about justice. God is saying, wake up! The new man. The new man. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Will you not declare it? Will you live as one new man in Raleigh, North Carolina? Will you live as one new man? Will you move as one new man in the nations of the earth? Paul said, don't be ignorant of this mystery. What is the mystery? He says that we are heirs and co-heirs with the Jews. That we are heirs, that's the mystery. That's so wild. He says, don't be ignorant. And he says, also, don't be ignorant of this fact. <laughs> he says that there's a partial, a partial hardness on the hearts of the Israeli people until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. See, we talk about awakening and revival, but we don't complete the sentence. God is going to bring you and I, all of you who are non-Jewish, into a fullness together the fullness of harvest, then Yeshua opens the eyes of Israel, then the Messiah comes back. Everything else is a dress rehearsal. Come on, let's stand with me. Can I get some musicians or somebody? Lord, I ask God that you would give this house the grace to steward your heart in a greater measure. Lord, I'm asking that you would loose divine deliverance from the Antichrist spirit. God, where we have operated in robes and taken on identities that are less than our heavenly inheritance, God, I pray today that we would take it off and put on Christ. Even now, I believe the Lord wants to do and begin at a greater level in this house, a deeper work of deliverance. 
And it's not just let, my, let me go or let my people go. It's let my people go that they might worship me. I believe even for the worship team, God wants to release a new sound. I know that's a popular general prophetic word, but no, I'm, I'm serious. I believe that God is going to change the cultural expression of this church. In five years, you're not going to even believe what, what it looks like. I believe God wants to raise you up to, to even carry mantles that have been dropped in revival history. Where after Azusa Street, they did not continue in the love of God. God is saying, no, no, I want to give you the grace to continue in that multi-ethnic, multicultural glory and beauty. The Lord wants to release a spirit of adoption. But first, he wants to deliver you from things you've inherited that you didn't even know you inherited in, in terms of your ways of thinking about the other, your neighbor. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Spirit of God, that this is not anything we can manufacture, but God, only by your grace. Lord, I pray that you would release Acts 2 and Acts 10 encounters in this house. Lord, I pray that you would open heaven like you did for Peter. God, I pray that you would open heaven like you did for John, where he saw the very throne room. Lord, would you cause Isaiah 6 encounters to happen all over this place? That in light of your beauty and your majesty and your glory, we would see ourselves. You would give us clean hands and pure hearts. Glorious Jesus seated on the throne. A throne filled with the jewels of the worship and the praise of the nations. Open up the heavens, God. Open up the heavens, Lord. Hey, the only thing that can deal with the pain of our past and the perplexity of our present is open heaven encounter with Jesus. Lord, deliver us, God. I believe the Lord wants to heal you from generational trauma. Every single one of us, not just those who are minorities. or I'm telling you, every one of us have experienced trauma. The Lord's going to release, even now, healing grace. God, I thank you for your kindness and your gentleness. Father, we, we enter in. Lord, we say we surrender. We surrender. Cultural preference Lord, we surrender. Lord, we thank you that we're beautifully and wonderfully made. We, we thank you, God, that we all have something unique from our own family line and bloodline and cultural expression to bring in, even into this house and, and to be used in your kingdom. But God, also, every place where we have made idols out of, out of tribalism, God, we, we surrender it now. And Lord, we say we want to pick up and put on Christ. Robe us now. Give us the right clothing, we pray. That we might walk as kings and priests. That we might bless your name.